Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Empire. Welcome to the latest edition of All's Castle, former Castle Spencer and Carl Alzer. I'm AP hockey writer Steve Wino. Uh, later on, we're going to talk to, to John Calvano, who had the privilege of, of coaching Carl. Um, but first, let's talk to Carl, a, a new capital assistant coach, Scott Allen, uh, takes over for, for Scott O'Neill. Uh, I don't know what this means for, for, for the future, but it does, it's another situation of the Capitals promoting from within, from the organization, because Scott Allen was the coach in Hershey before. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a pretty good history of uh, of the Caps doing that and having having some pretty good success with it. Um, yeah, so Bruce came from Bruce came Bruce came from Hershey. Yeah. Bruce came from Hershey. He brought Bob Woods in there. I know it wasn't a head coach and stuff, but but yeah, there, there's been there's been a lot of you know, well, I guess not a lot, but a few coaches that have uh, come up that way, and it's kind of nice. It's it's almost the same way that the Caps do uh, with their players, right? You know, you get them get them in the system and, and learning uh, what we're looking for, and then then bring them up. So yeah, it's pretty cool. I, helping out with the forwards and stuff too. I mean, it's nice to uh, have Foz there as well. Blaine Forsyth that also kind of, you know, works with forwards too. And, you know, obviously he's the penalty kill or the power play guy. Sorry, but uh, yeah, it's uh, just another, another voice in the room. I'm, I don't know exactly how uh, Laviolette uses his assistant coaches. Everyone's kind of right. different in that sense. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what kind of role uh, he'll have as, as, as a voice in the dress room, like a, a forward facing voice or more of a behind the scenes voice. Blaine's been around forever, right? Like he's, he dates to back to your time. Like yeah, the really start does. of your time. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it at all, but um, he's got to be one of the longest serving coaches, assistant coaches in the league for sure. I mean, he got there, I want to say two years before I got there. So we yeah, would have been there yeah. like 2006 um, and yeah, he was my assistant coach, assistant GM and junior as well. Um, so I've kind of been under, I was under his wing forever. I, like I hadn't had a, I hadn't had a, I hadn't played on a team without Foz as a coach for like 14 years until I went to Montreal. So it was That's a really ridiculous. weird, it was a really weird thing not having him uh, around at the room. So yeah, it's pretty funny, but he's, he's, I mean, he's one hell of a coach. It's, uh, it's always tough for me to see, uh, you know, people, people saying stuff about the power play and it needs to change and this and that. And I'm like, this guy's been doing it for so many years. And it's so sure. rare to have somebody that's that consistent being there and, and the players know what to expect with him and, and all that stuff. So anyways, yeah, it's, I very, they're very fortunate to have, have Foz and, uh, you know, hopefully it's the same way with Scott. And, and, and I know we talked about this a little bit, but like Peter Lavi, that's going into the last year of his contract. Right. So I, I don't, I don't know that Scott Allen's necessarily like, we'll say, let's say the front runner to replace him if he's not back beyond next season because Spencer Carberry is a guy who was a coach in Hershey went on to be an assistant in, in Toronto's available might be available Jeff Halpern uh possibly uh, yeah, we've, we've talked about Halpern and, and that possibility but Scott Allen certainly seems like he, you'd be in the running if the Capitals and Peter Laviolette were to mutually part ways after next season or even a year or two after that yeah you know what it's it's a weird it's a weird thing like having an assistant coach go from assistant to head coach just 
you know, as a player, yep. it's, you just view them differently. Right. Um, and so it's, it's sometimes tough, I think, to come in and, and just do it. Like we had that, we had that happen with uh, Dean Evison, right. When he was here, everybody wanted Dino to, to take over and be head coach, but it, he was, he was buddies with everybody. Right. So I totally understand why, why he didn't end up getting that job, but it's, so it's just a, it's a hard decision to make. It needs to be a really special type of person to, to do it. I mean, the, Montreal did it as well. They had Dominic Ducharme came yep. in for a season or two as assistant coach and took over as head coach and he's gone already. So it's, it's just, it's, just, it's a weird jump to make, but I'm sure they'll, I'm sure they'll make it if they have to, if they feel like he's the best candidate, or maybe, you know, maybe there's a, a, a firing that happens during the year or at the end of the season, someone who's just you know too good to pass up and, and then your plans change right away. Yeah. Dean Everson did that in Minnesota, right? Like he took over yeah. as an, he was one of Bruce's assistants took over for Bruce and Bruce got canned. Yeah. And, and, uh, and he seems to be doing a pretty good job. I think Dino's a hard guy to, to not love because he is just so honest, uh, so hardworking. Like he did every single one of the bag skates with the players when he was here. Um, he has so much passion and it just like seeps all throughout the dressing room. And everyone's like, well, if this guy feels this way, then we need to feel this way too, because he's not playing and he still has more energy than us and yep. still working harder than us and stuff. So that that's, it's a nice thing to have as a coach and especially someone who's played too, like Dino. Um, so you just, you just understand, you know, he understands what it takes and all that. So I don't know. I, I, there's, there's lots of different ways you can go with coaching, but you know, I, I like a, a coach that's like Dean. Uh, yeah. And, 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 Todd Reardon was, was maybe the, the, another example of it didn't work out so well because he was kind of a, a player's buddy and, and wanted to be that. And I think he's a great assistant coach. And he's, he's, he's proved that by being on the, the being assistant with you guys and with, with Pittsburgh and some guys are just better off not being head coaches. Exactly. And that's what I mean by, you know, how, how uh, coaches are, if they're more, you know, forward facing or in the sure. background and, and Todd was great in the background, he would, he would talk in meetings every now and then, not that often. Um, he was way better at the one-on-one or two-on-one video sessions and stuff like that. And making sure he checked in on players and that everything was good and what can he help with, or, you know, the way he delivered news to you as well. Like, you know, I, I've got a few clips, um, you know, do you have time to see him? It's nothing, nothing urgent. You know, it's just, there's a few clips that we, we, we should maybe look at. And then he would hit you with like three great clips. Like you're just making textbook plays and you're feeling really good. And then another one would come up and he'd be like, he'd be like, what, what are your thoughts on this clip? Like, is there anything you do different? You know, it was never, you did this wrong and fix it. It was like, Hey, maybe we try this next time, you know, or mm-hmm. let's think yeah. about tweaking. You know, it was just a really good delivery system. And it's, I don't know that that works as a head coach. You know, it, it needs to, it needs to sometimes be a little bit more to the point and um, sometimes blunt, I guess. And that's why, that's why having amazing assistant coaches, you know, like uh, Todd and like, like Foz. Yeah. You had Lane Lambert as assistant too, right? I mean, he's trying to do the same thing in New York now, succeeding Barry Trotz. And he also got a chance to kind of do an interim job middle of the season when Barry stepped away for, for personal reasons. Lane Lambert might be one of those guys who can make that jump. Yeah. And so, so Lane, I think is, is a, a very good mix of both of those, right? He's, he's not afraid to ask players for their opinions, which is awesome. You know, he, he wants to talk through things. He did that with us in the PK all the time. Um, you know, me and Carly would get into the PK video a lot of times really early and he'd be in there looking at the clips and he'd ask us our opinions and, and really, you know, took that into consideration, but at the same time gets really fired up and, and you really love to see that too. So I think, I think Lane could be in a great spot for that. Um, you know, it's been a, been a few years since I've, uh, 
been on a team that he's coached and I'm not sure how he'll be as a head coach, but he's got a really good mix of, you know, being your buddy, but at the same time, you know, getting pretty fired up, which I think is what Barry's like as well. You know, he, he, he had that in him and, sure, and Lane sure. has had an, you know, unbelievable uh, opportunity to learn from a guy like Barry over quite a few years. So you'd have to imagine that he's going to, he's gonna be able to take some of that with him. Yeah, we think so. Uh, when we come back on All's Caps, uh, John Calvano will have some Carl Alzer stories, which are always my favorite. And then later on, he'll be the latest victim of Carl's stupid questions. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome back to All's Caps with former Capitals defenseman Carl Alzer. I'm AP Hockey writer Steve Weiner. We are pleased to be joined by Carl's former skills coach, John Calvano. John, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, thanks for uh, having me on. Yeah, I, I know Carl has, has some real topics to ask you about and growing hockey and things, but I, I want your best Carl Alzer story because every time, and, and, and listeners know this, I ask for Carl Alzer stories and everyone's like, oh, he's such a great guy, this or that. I'm sure you have something beyond Carl's a great guy. <laughs> A squeaky clean, man. John, I've been telling everybody I am just <laughs> as squeaky clean as they come. I was trying to think back, you know, just because I knew I knew Wino was going to ask you this stuff, and <laughs> like I was trying to think of anything that that would have been funny. And I, I I think back to the time when I showed up at practice with a broken finger um, that I got from playing rugby. You probably won't even remember this, but it's really stuck out in my mind. And so I guess maybe this is more of a, a Calvano story than than me, but. I remember oh. I, I played one rugby game and I broke my finger on the first play. I just, just trying to catch the ball, it just hit me weird and it broke my finger. And I showed up uh, to practice with a splint on. I think we were bantam at the time because it was uh, high school. And uh, I remember I think you said to me, I'm like, you're gonna have to choose. You wanna play rugby for the rest of your life or you wanna play hockey? And I'm like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> and that was my, my first and only game playing rugby, but it, it was, it was just one of those moments that kind of stuck through my in my head, like you know, you gotta you gotta be a little smart, smarter than uh, than just you know they, they say the same thing with golfers, you know, they don't even they don't even wakeboard and do all these water sports because they're so nervous, get hurt, get hurt. And I you know went and did that did that to myself. So I thought that was kind of an interesting interesting story. And if we think back to, I think you were the first coach that we ever started running track with as well. And I remember yeah. I was probably the last last place. Every single time we ran around that track, my first first time doing that. So, well, it's actually. I mean, the funny part of that story, with the with the track and dry land. So it was our peewee team, and and uh, we didn't have a lot of depth in our peewee age group uh, at the time. So we went with a really really short roster, and uh, the deal was to go with their short roster. The kids needed to be in shape so they could play every second shift, and uh, so we started running the track, and we had some. 
pretty great athletes. Uh, I know Carl's friends with still a few of the, the guys from the team, and uh, we always joke about it. But ironically enough, the last two guys always around the track or up Grouse Mountain was Carl and uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins' older brother, Adam Nugent Hopkins. <laughs> and, you know, Carl obviously has had a great career in the NHL, and, uh, and Adam is the strength and conditioning coach in the summer for all the NHL guys that come back. And <laughs> it's ironic that the two guys that were probably the worst at the dry land and track, obviously the most successful uh, post, you know, in the fitness, I guess, if you want to call it that with hockey and training kids to be ready for, for, for hockey. So it was uh, pretty ironic how that worked out with those guys. But Carl, there's no real bad story with Carl. Like was, <laughs> I just want funny stories. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been around Carl since he was eight years old, nine years old. It's just kind of like just all meshed together. I think uh, <laughs> it's always, he was always funny and, you know, kind of laid back and chill just the way he is. And there was, there was no real high where you had to bring him down and there was no low where you really had to pump him up. He was just even keeled all the time. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was just, there was no, there's no real funny story because he was just funny, a funny guy all the time. And um, and then that era was a little bit different because the, the parents were always with the kids mm-hmm. where, you know, now with academy hockey, and I know in the U.S. it's grown quite a bit. The uh, the parents aren't really as involved as they get older traveling, where with obviously Carl back then, like the parents were still with the kids, they were still rooming. So you didn't have a lot of that interaction and bantam with uh, being on the bus with the boys and because it was always the parents were there. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I know I've heard the stories with him and a few <laughs> of the guys when they had sleepovers and, you know, one of his good, you know, up in, uh, one of his good friends, uh, great kid obviously uh lived in west van and uh i'm saying a story about the night in the middle of the night outside with it's just <laughs> i know where you're day. going i know where you're I don't going remember the that. whole story but yeah. that was probably the funniest story i've ever heard of let's say that collective group of four or five buddies that grew up together that i ever heard and i wasn't there it wasn't in my house it was but it was it was the only uh really funny thing i've heard yeah, we we so why not? We would uh, we had sleepovers at this this one kid's house, and they were so much fun. We would do like we would try and make our own pizza and stuff, and like we were twelve years old, so we have like the we have the oven on and stuff, and we're throwing delicious pizzas in there and <laughs> and leaving leaving the cardboard on and catching it on fire. Or sometimes they would be already thawed, and they'd be like dripping through the grates in the oven and just leave them there. And but the one that John's talking about is we were playing laser tag outside in the backyard, and one of the neighbors. Um, thought that we were like casing the house or, or like trying to break in and called the cops on us. And so the cops showed up to like this very affluent neighborhood in, in West Vancouver. And it's just us kids strapped with laser tag packs on our back <laughs> and these little guns and stuff. So it was pretty funny, but just going back to the training side of it. So, so John one year had us do this thing called the grouse grind in Vancouver. And uh, it's it's anybody who goes to Vancouver, it's worth it because the view at the end is phenomenal. It's probably one of the best in the in the area. But getting up it is an absolute pain in the ass, and it is it is so freaking hard. And I had no idea what to expect, and neither did my mom. So we were meeting there. I think it was eight o'clock in the morning or something like that. So on our way there, like I thought we were going through like a, like a hike, like a walk through the forest. Right. So on our way there, grab a 
um, bacon and egg McMuffin, hash brown, orange juice. And like, I'm just finishing it in the parking lot as we get there. And so we get up to the bottom and I'm trying to like look through the forest and, and it looks like kind of a bit of a gradual hill. And so I'm like, oh, it's not going to be that bad. This thing goes like this to this, like straight up and down with these crazy stairs. I had, I had throw up just at the back of my throat the entire time. And, and yeah, it was me and one other guy were the two slowest guys on the way up there. And I remember we had this one kid as soon as, so we're doing this for fitness, right? Right. We get to the top. And the first thing he does goes straight up and buys an ice cream drumstick and a Danish right when he gets up there and starts crushing it. And we're all just looking at him like, like, you're an idiot. Like, we're supposed to be, we're doing this to get in shape, I guess. And you're up there eating that. But I guess I shouldn't laugh. I had McDonald's right before. So, you know, it was, it was just fun being being young like that. You do you do things. But um, before I kind of get into more of the meat of this, I just I shout out John. I always try and give you a shout out wherever I can. Um, John is, is one of the best at, uh, at developing players, um, skill development, um, but also just like smarts of the game. And I always say whenever, whenever anybody asks me, you know, who do I, who do I owe, you know, a big thank you to in my career. I always say you, John, cause, um, I think not only were you instrumental for me, but you have been for tons of players, including some of the guys you're working with now, um, that people may have heard of before, uh, Matt Barzell um in in new york uh for the islanders ryan nugent hopkins uh there's tons of others but there's also a new new player new up-and-coming player connor bedard who uh you work with a fair bit and uh if you haven't heard the name connor bedard google it watch some of these highlights number one it pick is, next year probably is it next year is your yes. is, yeah yeah 23. yeah yeah insane insane skill but john what what, what have you noticed uh you know, with, with some of these guys that you've worked with, especially lately, um, and, and with, with how they're training and, and how they seem to soak up knowledge and the level of skill that they have. Obviously for me, it was very fortunate. Um, you know, I had a great mentor in Steve Bradford, uh, out in Vancouver who, you know, before skill development became a thing out here, he kind of pioneered it. And, uh, you know, his son was a very talented player, Carl, very. you played with him very a little good. bit growing up, but, uh, you know, I think the common denominator with that I've learned over, you know, I'm obviously older now, so through the years is uh, all the kids that have progressed in hockey to the level you have, Carl, whether they've played a thousand games or 500 or or 100, their parents were all very calm. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, we hear about the crazy parents and in hockey or most sports, and then the kids that make it, their parents are intense, and but they've kept it inside. They don't really show the emotion of every shift, and and I think it translates a lot into the the kids and the way they play. And uh, the common, they just are confident in their kids' abilities, and that it's you know it's a big journey, not just a game at a time. And uh, you know, and I know obviously. You know, when Carl was a kid, he had good games, bad games, and great games. But, you know, uh, Gunther and Karen were always the same. Uh, yeah. There was no emotional roller coaster. There was no – and uh, – but I think a big part of that is is the social media aspect for these uh, these kids now. Mm-hmm. And and I've, I've been fortunate enough to see the transition between uh, really dating myself, no internet <laughs> with kids hockey, to, you know – internet to chat rooms to now 
uh, iPhones at every rink, at every practice, videoing every drill, every goal. Uh, you know, now there's live streaming and parents are clipping clips and <laughs> posting them on Instagram. And, and I kind of came up with a line this, this summer, sorry, when, uh, it was, uh, when Instagram meets reality. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I think, you know, we're, I'm a parent as well now of two boys and I had to catch myself as well, posting videos of my son scoring a goal or making a play because the amount of pressure all these younger kids are having because and it's not their fault parents think they're building a brand or promoting their kids to get recruited at 12 years old to play for a team from boston or toronto or wherever mm -hmm. um that's how they're getting recruited now is by instagram or TikTok, where you know we used to have travel teams and you know i mean i used to you know carl was on our travel teams when we used to go to different places and you know, I don't know how much Carl has mentioned, but like, you know, we went to Detroit and, you know, Jonathan Taves was a kid I recruited to come with us to play in a tournament in Detroit. And on the other bench, on the other team was Patrick Kane and Peter Mueller. And you had a call, but there was no Instagram. You physically had to watch the kid, go watch, make sure he was good. It wasn't a, a post. And, you know, I think there was no pressure because if you weren't there watching, right. you just heard the stories. Yeah. Um, where now it's you don't need to be anywhere to see if a kid makes a good play but that's all kids are that's all that's being posted is the is the positive is the positive things that kids do so when you go to the rink and you're like you know oh wow you know I can't wait to watch the young Carl Alsner play and you're like man this this kid's nothing like the Instagram post <laughs> exactly that's social so, media in general though right that's oh it is and, and it's a false false impression it's reality tv and i think uh, you know and i think there's a lot of pressure on the young kids like i'm not sure if carl or the other young guys at that you know that birth year timeline would be where they are because the way carl played or other players that are in the nhl you would have instagram posts because they did nothing super special they were just mm -hmm. really good yeah yeah but now it's a, now it's about the special zorro and it's about it's just a it's a different pressure on these kids and it's been very hard for me as an older coach who's been around for you know 20 plus years to navigate the social media expectation of kids yeah so it sounds like you know a good a good takeaway is because you know even even though i've i've been through it it's still important to to remember this because you sometimes can can uh can forget that there's there's already enough pressure on the kids to perform on the ice like there's no point of putting any added added pressure on them right like they're if they're good they're going to get noticed you know that's that's just plain and simple they're going to play a game and someone's going to see them and and they're going to realize okay yeah this this kid's good enough and you know whether it's at 12 years old or 17 years old you know or in some cases even later uh if they're good enough they're they're going to be they're going to be fine so i, I just think it's so important so you know, so to so your point about like a uh, connor bedard yeah he never there's there's no like he obviously has social media because he has to have social media with the way the business and and self-marketing yeah he's not growing up there was no connor bedard twitter account with his yeah kids. yeah exactly right so when you went to the rink you watched him you were amazed by him but there was other kids in his birth year that parents of social media look at my son's goal mm -hmm. well i mean that's one post 10 seconds but 
the game is a obviously a longer game and and I think the expectations when you go to a lot of these events which obviously in the US has grown showcases tournaments camps there is a uh, there's a perception of the kid you're getting versus the reality of what the kid is yeah absolutely yeah and that gets created so easy on online there I'm I guess when it comes to to training now versus you know training years ago because this is this is very interesting because I think about it a lot too like like we worked on we worked on a you know a lot of a lot of skills that I don't think a lot of kids at the time were working on but I think with with the one of the advantages of social media is that um, you can see what some of these NHL players are working on and what do you find that seems to be maybe one of the more important things to to, to focus on because I asked I asked players that have come on here you know what, what what skill would you rather have blazing speed amazing hands or just a rock solid shot you know or vision you know what what would you say that there's anything in particular that it would be good for these kids to start training you know or, or something to maybe focus on a little bit more because it seems like every kid has just unbelievable skill now and you know it's hard to it, I don't know if it's because like I felt like I worked on stuff a ton in my backyard, but it it seems like um, the, I, I don't know if they're working more now, but their skill with the puck and their shots oh, just nice. seem to be on a different level. Yeah, and I, again, I, I go back to it's it's Instagram. Like nobody yeah. knew what we used to do, right, Carl? Yeah, it's true. Like I'd send out, I'd phone your parents, or you know, back then again, you're mailing because there's yeah. no internet. To, you can't email anybody, so. You would show up to the rink, the group of 12 to 16 guys. You'd work your three, four days a week and you'd go home and then you'd go play a game and you'd, we'd go beat up on a team and the other parents like, well, what are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, why are they so good? And, you know, you'd maybe get another couple of kids join the group and, you know, you kind of built up that way. And I think no one was looking for more mm -hmm. where I, I believe again, Instagram, is uh or social media in general not instagram solely it's just well geez this player x is skating with this guy in the morning then he went to this guy in the afternoon and he's doing dry land here so it becomes uh, a catch-up it's yeah. uh yeah. well geez they're doing three hours a day i better do three hours a day and uh, and then it's i gotta post this three hours a day <laughs> where, the, where the new hashtag is no days off and, yeah. oh, and, man. Uh, and no excuses and and again and you look at these again i have a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old and i couldn't imagine my kid having no days off right in vancouver right now it's 39 degrees uh we're around beautiful beaches and parks i would think the last thing a nine-year-old would want to do is really if you ask them is spend four hours in a rink right it's true and but it's uh back then i would i don't believe carl's parents were worried about keeping up with the joneses because he didn't know what the other joneses were doing mm -hmm. yeah it's a good now, point now now everybody knows what everybody else is doing like you know if i'm on vacation and i know if carl i mean he lives in washington <laughs> i know if he's at the park yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you know that i've just finished I, eating lunch yeah, I, I wouldn't. I even know what you're eating for lunch. Yeah, right? exactly. so, I know when you're at the Nats game because people are saying, yeah. "Oh, Carl and Brady are at the Nats game." Yeah, we all know yeah. where where everybody is and what they're doing, and it's just the way the world has evolved. Where 
reality TV has hit social media that we're in, more interested in what everybody else is doing and keeping up with them than what we're doing is right. And I think to your point, Carl, with training, there's so many trainers out there and some do a very good job um, and some are really social media trainers. Right. And they're really not applicable to the game of hockey. And I think that's the Instagram meets reality, right? My kid can do all these trick skills, but again, I mean, I watch the NHL and obviously you've played at the, the highest level. The trick skills aren't happening during a game as often as they're working on it. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's true. So it's a little bit more of the, the basic, uh, I guess you could call them skating, basics. To me, yeah. skating is, is if you the way the world the hockey world is going right now if you can't skate it definitely looks like you're gonna have trouble playing yeah and, uh, that's it right and but then but the new but again if you can't skate if you can skate but you can't think you can't mm-hmm. play either so I've been noticing you know in Vancouver we got some really good really good guys that have been really innovative in uh, really working on the cognitive side of training which seems to be a new thing. You know, obviously the brain's always been a, a skill, hockey IQ, but, you know, using lights for reactions to uh, reading, you know, with speed. Where, yeah. um, you know, like a Connor McDavid, the way he can react so fast, yeah. or a Matt Barzell or even Connor Bedard, is because their brain's working at a higher processing rate than most of the other players. and you know, a lot of them are doing a lot of cognitive stuff. And, you know, Ken Johnson's a young kid. He's worked with us for a lot of years and he's worked with a lot of other trainers in Vancouver. And he's really putting a lot of work on to his cognitive side of his training where he's reacting based on lights on the ice now and decision-making based on light color where, you know, you're kind of at the last minute, he's got to make a decision. Do I go left or right? But it's based on a color of a light. And it seems to be a new a new way for the younger kids to evolve now with speed and processing where it used to be you were just fast or you were just skilled now it's fast processing with skill right and you see a lot of these young guys coming up that have that have that and i think that's where it's different than when probably uh let's say uh your era of guys coming up i i i really felt your era understood hockey because they were a lot more better passers or you know passing was a bigger thing where now it's a lot more uh, I guess they call it puck transporters uh, <laughs> right you know you know they just carry the puck 110 feet down the ice one guy and then they take a shot on net then they set up where yeah. I think 10 years ago or 15 years ago watching when obviously Carl broke into the league there was more D to D's neutral zones uh the transitional part of the game was more now it's like d-man are activated like puck goes back to a d and boom that guy's going like he's gonna go to a track meet yeah Um, it's evolved now that everybody's a forward (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's exactly what i said too like all these all these top d are just it's just another forward out there and they just still happen to skate backwards a little bit more than the other ones yeah they just started they just start on the face off behind them yeah (laughs) kind of like the quarterback they're the quarterback but they can they can run the ball in and they're fine 
Yeah. Um, well, no, no, no one's ever confused Carl for being a forward. That's that's, that's one thing for all the good things <laughs> he did in his game. Uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, we had a couple other things to, to, to talk to John about, and then uh, obviously he'll be the latest victim of Carl's stupid questions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Joined by a skills coach and, and Carl's former skills coach, John Calvano. Uh, and I know, Carl, you wanted to bring up the, the brick tournament you played in uh, with John many years ago. Something that, 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 that I don't know how, many, how familiar hockey fans are with the brick tournament, so you have to explain it a little bit. Yeah, so, so, the, so the, the brick tournament is a uh, tournament for how old are the kids? John, 10? Yeah, 10 years old, uh, primarily. Yeah, and it and it's held inside the West Edmonton Mall. There's an ice rink inside the mall with a glass glass uh, ceiling, and it's you know all the all the fans will be around you know like the edge of the shopping mall as you would normally normally have. And uh, there's teams from from everywhere that come to this tournament. It is it is one of the best. Well, it's probably it probably is the best tournament for ten year olds, right? It's uh, the the amount of talent that's out there. And if you go down in history and look at some of the names like. You know, you have you have Stamkos that's been there. You have you have uh, Seabrook that's been like guys, guys. Tons of players have gone through this tournament, and uh, I think it's I think it's so much fun. But but John, you're you're you know one of the I think you're one of the the biggest proponents of this tournament, right? You're all, you're you're talking about it often. We sent a, a nice little good luck video to uh, to to yeah. your team recently too, and. Just um, what, what are your thoughts on that tournament compared to some of the other ones you see? And why, why do you think it's so important for these uh, 10-year-old kids to be a part of it? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I mean, I love the event. To me, it's uh, very similar to the Little League World Series right. where, um, you know, and again, social media has obviously made it bigger in uh, recent years because of uh, get, getting obviously videos of clips of the former players and you know, and everyone gets excited uh, to see ten-year-olds play, and it's it's just not a ten-year-old tournament. To Carl's point, I mean, uh, the amount of players that have gone through it to get to college hockey, professional hockey, and the NHL has has been remarkable, um, and it's grown over the years. And with fourteen teams uh, that they bring in now, it's, a, it's grown to a fourteen-team tournament. It's all regionalized within Canada by the provinces. There's obviously states in the, the u.s that that have teams and then obviously uh washington i believe would be a a free agent zone so um i guess if ov's son is good enough i mean he'll get recruited <laughs> by every every uh <laughs> every team in the country for when he's ready but uh you know those kids can go freely freely where they like to go play and uh, it's uh remarkable where the kids are 
in two points, kids feel like they're superstars because uh, especially now they're all dressed up like the jerseys, the gloves, helmets, pants, bags. Um, you know, the coaching is obviously uh, tactically is at another level, like with video analysis, in stats, uh, <laughs> like it's analytical. Mm-hmm. Like, like you've got every kid broken down to how many turnovers they're doing in a game. It's it's grown wow. from you've played Carl to it's the real deal as far as ten year old hockey goes. Um, yeah, most kids aren't going to get that type of hockey again until they're sixteen. So there's like a sixteen year a six year gap as far as that competitiveness. But with the and the organizers do a phenomenal job. I mean, kids get lanyards at the brick. They they're felt important. They they walk through the security. Um, and they go downstairs. If you've ever been to the West Edmonton Mall, it's a little landing area. You walk down the stairs, and you know the kids have their dressing rooms. We have a team representative uh, for Vancouver. His name's Craig Reed. He's the original Vancouver Viper uh, brick team representative from the '85 birth year that went, and yeah. he is still our representative. <laughs> oh wow! Um, you know, and with the national anthems. And, you know, the kids have their arms around each other for old Canada and obviously when they're playing an American team, the U.S. anthem and the music guy, Marty, has been there, I mean, for decades playing yeah. the music, getting the kids ready. Now there's live streaming. So, you know, <laughs> Carl, if you wanted to watch, you could watch from Washington. Yeah, exactly. And just the parents are the energy, the excitement, but again it's the uh it's the pressure and 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 you really what i enjoy about it other than the hockey is a couple of things one is it's the first time the parents can't have to let their kids go yeah they get to the gates and they can't go downstairs to the dressing room Mm -hmm. and it's the first time an hour before their game they lose contact with their kid yeah which for some parents, it's uh, very hard. <laughs> the The second part that's very, uh, very difficult, which has been hard to manage over the, the last few years, and I and I, I believe every program's got the same issue. Is uh, it's best on best, and everyone's bringing their best now. Yeah, and you're seeing the top, call it 150 kids, more or less in Canada and the U.S. at 10. Yeah, and I've said for a lot of years, and I, and people tell me, well, a lot of things change. The best kids at that tournament have never gone from number one to 300. There's very few of them. Mm-hmm. And I keep re- referencing the in 2003, the first team all-star was Dougie Hamilton, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Johnny Goudreau, and uh, Dylan Strom. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So... When those four guys out of a six, you know, out of six, and I'm sure I missed the other defenseman who was an 03, it might have been Ryan Murray, to be honest with you. They're all NHL players. Some of them are stars. Mm-hmm. They were stars at 10. Yeah. That is that is pretty interesting to see at that at that young of an age. But that I just, you know, just it, it is it, it is a very, very cool tournament to see. Um we do water park days. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it was you switch jerseys with the team after. So if your jersey was sweet or your team was good, you got to switch with someone else that was that had a good one. It, it's a it's a very cool tournament. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's fun for everybody. Kids love it. 
Um, yeah. Parents are excited, but there, yeah. there's no other event I've ever been to that matches that for a hockey experience. Yeah, totally. I totally agree with you. Um, you ready for the questions, Carl? We'll get yes, we'll, we'll yes. through we got, these. Yeah, we got six and a half minutes, John. So these there are going to be kind of kind of rapid fire. Um, so yeah, I explained to you a little bit before. Um, just give me your best answer, and I'll I'll give you your fake score at the end. Okay. Um, okay. So number one is uh, with you being being Italian. What's your favorite Italian food? Spaghetti and meatballs. Just straight up spaghetti and meatballs. Classic. Yeah. A little, nice. little, little Parmesan cheese, a little Pecorino Romano. What do you, what do you, what do you like in that? Yeah, yeah, a little, little Romano cheese is nice. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm probably making, I'm gonna make that for lunch probably. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just, the, just, just spaghetti sauce running in your veins, right? That's it. Um, all right. What's worse, sitting in traffic, having bad cell phone service, or waiting on hold? Waiting on hold. Oh yeah, waiting on hold. What about you, Wino? What do you think for that? Tra one? Traffic is the worst. No, no, traffic. I, tra like, I can wait on hold as long as you want. It w the worst part would be waiting on hold while sitting in traffic. <laughs> yeah, that would be bad. That's the perfect time to wait on hold, though. You got nothing. Else <laughs> you got nothing to else to do, right? <laughs> for me, it would be it would be actually bad service. So it's interesting. Really? We're split okay. there. Um, John, what's the best jersey, best hockey jersey of all time? Quebec Nordiques. Ooh, Ooh. good pick. Good pick, right next to the Boston Iceman from the Brick Tournament. <laughs> Second yeah, those, are, those are nice ones. <laughs> those are nice. I'll throw, I'll throw, I'll throw uh, Hartford Whalers and, and Nordiques are to me like one, two among my yeah. favorites. Yeah, I agree. Both, both solid. Um, what's your guilty pleasure? Uh, my guilty pleasure would be tiramisu. Tiramisu. Oh yeah. That's Going to those in the fridge right now for after lunch. Oh, don't have that. Uh, <laughs> hey, you're, you got your four days, no wife and kids right now. You got to go get a few <laughs> tiramisu's. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Um, is there a hockey term or a phrase that you just cannot stand? I'll give you my example. And it is, I don't like, and, it, and it's typically, sorry, but Americans that say this, they say offsides instead of offside. I'm with you. I'm with you. I hate it. Yeah. So that would be, that would be mine. I do not like when that gets said. Um, I don't know if I have any other good examples for you, but uh, but yeah, that... be, uh, I find like in the U.S. it's uh, a cut. Oh yeah, ice cut. Yeah, cut the ice. But they would just say, "Yeah, we got a cut," and I'm like, "What is? Yeah. What, what are you talking about a cut?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be mine when I go to American tournaments. Is the yeah. is the cut? Yeah, exactly. And, well, and what do you and what do you prefer? So everybody everybody knows. Just ice ice clean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just <to> clean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's really funny. Clean that the ice, just... flood the ice, right? Like that's yeah, yeah, that's so good. And I agree with you there. Um, okay, and last one for you: best restaurant in the Lower Mainland, in Vancouver. <laughs> Tough call. There's so many good ones there. This is for anyone who's going to visit Vancouver, which I highly, highly recommend because it's an unbelievable city, especially in the summer. I mean, obviously Italian. I gotta. <laughs> uh, there's 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 uh, two. One is. Outside of Vancouver, I would say it's uh, that place, pasta and pizza place in Coquitlam. Okay. Um, Nick Batan's uncle owns that restaurant. Really authentic, small little place. But if you're going into the city, I would say Blue Water for seafood. Oh, yeah. Or uh, Il Giardino for Italian. There you have it. I can vouch for Blue Water. I've been there before. It's so solid. 
Um, all right, that was fast. We maybe set a record for fastest uh, question answering there. So you get bonus points for that. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Spaghetti meatballs, classic, nice play. Um, Quebec Nordiques, you also get bonus points there. That brings you up to a total of uh, 231 points, which... It's easy top five, right? That's top five, John. Nice freaking work. Wow. Congratulations on that. That's why you got bonus points there. Yeah, brought you up to 231. So congratulations on that. And thank you so much for making time for us. That's that's awesome. No, thank you, Carl. And uh, it was great. John, thanks very much for joining us. Everybody, thanks for listening on All Caps. We'll talk to you next week.